Do you suffer from perfectionism or maybe feeling like a constant failure or even trying to please God, but never seeming like you can quite measure up? If so, you are not alone. My guest today says she tried until she almost died. That is, until God stepped in and showed her the easy way to trade her anxiety and frustration for rest and relaxation. And she's here to show you how to do the same. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book Shut Up Devil, creator of the app Shut Up Devil. I am all about shutting down the lies and the struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life. I'm here to do it every single week with a live online audience where we teach and sometimes have special guests like today. If you haven't yet, I'd love to have you join us live sometime on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central at kylewinkler.org slash live. Well, speaking of special guest, today's guest, I can't wait for you to hear. So let me introduce you to her, and then I'm going to bring her on. Sandra McCollum has a passion to see others enter into the life of rest that Jesus offers. I love that. I also love that she's from my home stomping grounds, where a lot of my family still lives. They're in St. Louis, Missouri, and she lives there with her husband, Steve, and her twin daughters. She also happens to be the daughter of Dave and Joyce Meyer. I'll ask her about that as we get started here, but mostly we're here to talk about her book, I Tried Until I Almost Died. You are going to relate so much to her story. I did. As I was reading her book, it was like, yeah, that was me. That was me. Been there. (laughs) Did that. A lot of you know for like the first decade of my faith, I really just thought that Christianity was not much more than a spiritual self-help program, and the Bible was just a book of do's and don'ts and principles to fix me up and change me up and grow me up in hopes that maybe God would stay loving me and stay accepting me, and maybe I could get a blessing or two out of Him. And that just about did me in. I tried until I almost died. And I suspect that a lot of you are in the same place, which is why I asked Sandra to come on and talk to us. So Sandra, thanks so much for joining in. It is an honor to have you on the show today. Uh, Thank you for having me so much. You just explained my life as a Christian (laughs) for the first 34 years, just so you know. (laughs) I was shaking my head vigorously. (laughs) It is such a common experience that so many of us have. Before we get into the book, I know a lot of people are wondering, your parents, Dave and Joyce Meyer, are such tremendous people, have such an influential ministry, probably one of the most influential today. So we just got to ask, you you had to be what? In childhood, teenage years, as it was really growing and exploding. So what was life like in the Meyer household for you as the ministry was just really growing? Right. You know, I do get asked that question a lot. And to us, we see it different than other people. So it was just like, they're my mom and dad, you know? (laughs) I mean, they did when the ministry started growing, they traveled more. Actually, I went with them and, um, you know, a lot. And then I worked for the ministry for 14, uh, 15 years. And so I, it was good. I don't remember it being, I'm sure it was really crazy at times, but I don't remember that. Like I really did have a good upbringing. I'm really blessed. (laughs) I want to get into your book now. I tried until I almost died. I'm going to read a quote from it here. I love it. You say, for so long, I'd been trying to be perfect 
in order to please God, not understanding why I seemed unable to measure up. But God opened my eyes to the beauty of grace, to the truth, as it's put in Romans 3, 23 through 24, that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. So God did it for us. I love that. One of my favorite verses there. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. Now, just reading that, Sandra, is just like a breath of fresh air to me. But as you said, and we talked about in the introduction a little bit, this wasn't always your life, that fresh of breath air. So take us back (laughs) to what now more than a decade ago or so, take us back to what was life for Sandra McCollum before your eyes were open to grace? And what were you trying to measure up to? Yes, that's good. And I just warn you right now, I laugh a lot (laughs) because I used to be, you're going to understand why I laugh a lot and your audience is going to understand why I laugh a lot when I'm done because I was so legalistic for so many years and so serious. And because I'm now set free from that, I love to laugh. (laughs) So if I laugh, while I'm talking, that's why. But have it. oh my goodness, I, I've got such a joy about me now because of Jesus. But no, my life was not a breath of fresh air. I wasn't taking a breath of fresh air most of my life. Here's what happened: I I became a Christian. I remember actually sitting in the floor with my mom, my brother, and my sister. I have two brothers, but the other wasn't born yet, and receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I remember sitting in a circle in the living room floor doing that, just like it was yesterday. I was eight years old and glad I have that memory. But for some reason, and it wasn't the way I was taught, you know, these things aren't the way I was taught. I had a great upbringing. And even the truths that I started learning after I came into a revelation of grace, I was taught some of those as well. And they just, they were in my head, but they didn't drop down into my heart until the day I received a revelation. But after I became a Christian, when I was eight years old, somehow, some way, I got a wrong view of God and the way he felt about me. And I saw him, and I believe this was at the base of all my issues. I saw him as someone who was just standing over me, ready to beat me over the head every time I made a mistake. So I was afraid of him. Or yeah, like at a taskmaster. The, mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Or at the very least, he was disappointed in me every time I messed up. So I, here's how my Christian life went. Every day, I would get up in my mind on my treadmill of accomplishment. I mean, the minute I put my feet on the floor, I would get up on my treadmill of accomplishment and I would run on that treadmill because I had to get worth and value. In my mind, I had to do it right so I could be pleasing to God, just like you said in the beginning. And that's what I thought the Christian life was all about. I needed to do it. Really, I had two uh, checklists. I had a spiritual to-do checklist in my mind. And I had a natural checklist. I was a, a list maker. And there's nothing wrong with making lists, but I got my identity out of getting check marks on my list. So I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't realize I was doing all this when I was doing it, but I had my two checklists. So like on the spiritual side of things, I would say, okay, yesterday, you know, 
Sandra, you got a little upset. You need to be better today than you were yesterday. Always measuring myself, Kyle. Oh my goodness. Always measuring myself. And if you weren't, if you weren't better today than yesterday, what did that do in you? Oh, oh my goodness. It threw me into a panic because I, I just was sure God was just so disappointed in me. And I was so disappointed in myself. And so that's why I would run on that treadmill for worth and value. And so when I would get the check marks, when I would think I was good enough on the spiritual side of things and I was loving towards someone or patient in a certain instant, you know, situation, circumstance, didn't lose my temper because I had a big problem with a bad temper. If I was able to control my temper, okay, all right, I'm doing good. This is good. I would give myself credit. Do you think I'd give God any credit? No. I give God no, yeah. because <laughs> I didn't. I, no, because I was living as if I was under the old covenant of law at the mm-hmm. time. I wasn't because I was born again. I just didn't know what Jesus had ushered me into. That brings me to the question: As you said, you weren't raised in a legalistic home, and right. I definitely believe that. I mean, of all the times, many times that I've listened to your mom speak. She's probably one of the first people that I heard and very often say that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. God has put you in right standing. She's always talking about how God is not mad at you. So why do you think then that you really struggled with that kind of being your default way of thinking of having to achieve and earn and prove something from God? I think partly it was my personality. I have a melancholy personality. That personality can tend to be, every personality has strengths and weaknesses, but perfectionistic, that personality can tend to be perfectionistic. That personality wants everything in order, wants everything in its place. You know, I was late almost everywhere I went because my house had to look perfect before I left. Everything I did was to try to feel good about myself. And so... I would run on that treadmill for worth and value. And here's the thing. At the end of almost every day, because I, was, I wasn't living my life at all under God's grace, I didn't understand what God's grace was till later on. I was living it by my own efforts. And that leads to failure. And that's really, the, that's what the law produces. It produces, there's nothing wrong with the law in and of itself. It's wholly just and good. But we can't become good and righteous by living under the law. It's impossible. And actually, that was the purpose of the law, wasn't it? I love how Paul says it there in, what is it, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six. that law gives sin its power. Exactly. Law is not to give holiness its power. It's not to prove that you can live up to a standard that maybe God will exactly. accept you, but it's to show us that we can't do enough that our own righteousness doesn't work. I often call it the the crazy cycle of self-righteousness. Oh my goodness. Because we yes. we get believing from one way or one reason or another that if we do enough, maybe God will be happy with us. Maybe we will be free from sin and be free from struggle. So we work, work, work our way. And maybe we have some success and feel good, just as you were saying you you did whenever you had some accomplishment. Right. But inevitably we fail, right? Because mm-hmm. we're human. Right. Inevitably we fail. And then the enemy's right there saying, oh, look, 
you fell again, got to work exactly. harder, got to try harder. And you work mm -hmm. and try and try and then fall over again. Right. And on and on and on it goes. Yes. Thankfully, right. you broke that cycle. Take me to that day, January 2nd, right? 2012, 5.30 in the morning. Yes. What happened? A couple days after Christmas, at the end of 2011, I remember being so worn out from living the way that I had lived. Really, what I did is I spent 34 years trying to live the Christian life the way that I thought I was supposed to live it. And I was yeah. really doing, like, I, my heart was right and like I was trying to do it. I thought, this is the way you're supposed to do it. I mean, it's not working. <laughs> I knew in, in the back of my mind, this isn't working. But I guess I'm just supposed to try harder. That's why my book's titled, I Tried Until I Almost Died. I guess I'm just supposed to try harder. So at the end of 2011, a couple days after Christmas, I remember saying to God, I can't do this anymore, God. I can't live the Christian life. I need serious help. And that is exactly what he was waiting to hear. <laughs> because I needed to call out to him for help. And, and I needed to admit I can't do this. I want to say something for the audience that I believe will help them. Do you know that you can't live the Christian life? You don't have the ability to live the Christian life. There's only one person who has the ability to live the Christian life, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he wants to live his life in and through us. And that's a place that I hadn't come to yet, but I had started by coming to the end of myself. So then a week later on January 2nd, 2012, yes, I was having my devotional time, which I was very faithful at doing, but I didn't do it out of devotion. I did it out of duty because I thought God would be mad at me if I didn't have that devotional time. Yeah. I did almost everything I did. It wasn't because I wanted to, it was because I thought I had to until grace. Again, happened. that checklist again. <laughs> right. Yes, that's right. So at 5.30 in the morning, I was asking God, it was the new year, and I was saying, Father, do you, is there anything more you want me to accomplish for you this year? And that was this crazy question to be asking because that's all I did was trying to accomplish. That's all I spent my time doing, accomplish, accomplish, or trying to accomplish. What and more I mean, can I fix with me this oh, yeah. year, God? What more can I change? Oh, yeah. How more can I grow up? Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. So... Right then, I felt the Father speak to me and say, no, Sandra, there's nothing more I want you to do for me this year. And right then, in that moment, I felt like the love of God swept into the room like a tidal wave. I mean, I felt engulfed in the love of God. What I was having is I was having an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus. And see, I couldn't live off my parents' encounter with Jesus. Right. I had to have my own encounter with Jesus. And I had finally come to that place where, remember, a week before this, I came to the end of myself. I said, I can't do it anymore, God. I need help. So I felt like the love of God just swept into the room. And here's what I felt like the Lord spoke to me as I was engulfed in his love. Sandra, I love you for you, not for what you do for me not for what you accomplish for me. I love you because you're my child. And I cannot even tell you, Kyle, how that changed my life so profoundly. That revelation that he loves me 
just because I'm his child. And I, so after that day, I mean, I just thought this was a one-time thing. In my mind, I was like, wow, that was a great devotional time. But I woke up the next morning with a, I didn't live in peace. I'm telling you, very rarely did I have peace in my life. The next morning I woke up and I was responding to life differently. I had a peace that passes all understanding on me. I did not know what in the world had happened to me. And I remember this went on for like 30 days before I told my family because I was just like, this is going to go away eventually. It didn't go away. I would just cry as I was receiving the love of God and starting this journey of understanding his grace. When I had the revelation I had, and I was really just starting to launch into my own ministry and just about every sin since potty training was brought up and all of the reasons why I shouldn't and couldn't and and wouldn't be good in, in what I'm doing here. And it was, just as you described, it was a revelation of the love of God. For me, I saw the finished work of Christ like I never saw before. I saw Jesus on that cross displaying the ultimate love. And I wept, I think, for months after that, just at the thought of it. There was a real change that happened. And God's love did for me what a decade of all of the super spiritual things that I was doing to try to earn and be someone before God. God's love did for me what all of those couldn't ever do. That's right. God's love is what did the change. I, I was reading just this morning, and I, I wasn't even looking for a verse like this, but it's always fascinating how the Lord brings us the scriptures we need in the moments we need them. And it's Ephesians 3.17. It says, your roots will grow down into God's love and yeah. keep you strong. Love that scripture. We grow into God's love. And it's his love that keeps us strong. It's so opposite of what the world says. We think the more we do, the more successful we'll be, the more we'll change. When God says all throughout his word, that it's the more that you understand and root yourself in the love of God, that that's what actually changes you almost effortlessly. Yes. Isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, that's been my experience. Rooting ourselves in the love of God is like putting ourselves in, in a soil that just automatically produces fruit without us even having to try. Mm -hmm. That's right. What did you begin to experience in your family life and with your kids and with your husband? I, I, in your book, you talk about your husband never knew <laughs> what wife he was coming home to. Yes. Explain yes. some of the things that, that really started to change just as you started to receive God's right. love. Just as simple as that. Yes. Yes. I mean, really, I was. I lived like I was on an emotional roller coaster, and my husband did not know <laughs> what he was coming home to every night. I'm glad you said that because that's so true. And that was, like I said, at the 20-year mark. So the first 20 years of our marriage, it was like that. And he saw too, that I was living in this peace. Like after I told them what had happened, he kept watching. He's actually the one that recommended I write a book after six months of watching me. And he would just, before he would just pray for me and pray that I would see, because I mean, this man, Steve, 
My husband is a phlegmatic personality. I don't know if you know about the personalities, but he, peace is his motivator. So to live okay. with me all those <laughs> It must have been a trial. Oh, oh man, I am telling you. I don't know how he did it. I honestly don't know how he did it and how he kept from leaving me. I'm, I, I, it's got to be the grace of God that yeah. he hung on. But now we have, oh my goodness, our marriage is so different. And really with him, the biggest thing is just that I do live in peace. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that I never have moments where I don't live in peace, obviously. But the other thing is, is just what I mentioned before. He says, I felt like I could never do enough to satisfy you. Like no matter how hard I tried, you weren't, it wasn't quite good enough. And that's exactly how I felt. My kids felt too. But I just want to encourage your audience right now. God is the restorer. He restores what we have messed up. And I am telling you, I have a marriage that is so amazing. And a husband who is so good to me. He stuck with me. Thank God. That's a miracle. And we're best friends. And I have such a good relationship with my 19-year-old twin girls. They were nine. Like I said, this has been 10 years when this happened. And we have such a great connection. And it doesn't mean that we never work through things. I'm not saying that everything's perfect all the time. But we forgive and we love because we have been forgiven of much. I've often said that the love of God, the grace of God, I think that is the answer to dealing with a lot of the stuff that we deal with in the world today. You know, there's obviously it's a diverse world and people do things and they say things and they live in ways that we don't always understand. But I know that whenever I have taken a good long hard look at me and realize just how much God has forgiven me and just how much he loves me despite what may seem unlovable about me. When I take that long, hard look at me, that helps me love and have grace for others that I might not understand why they're doing what they're doing. It really changed how I relate to people because I'm no longer looking with these sin spectacles at what everybody's doing wrong and wanting to give them a bunch of do's and don'ts that I think is going to make them right with God. I just want to introduce them to the love of God, which the Bible says is what leads people to repentance. Yes, exactly. Oh my goodness. That is so right. <laughs> I mean, I do the same thing. And that is really the way that you can forgive. I had somebody I needed to forgive recently and God took me right back to the place he always takes me. Because I was like, I, I want to forgive. I don't want to walk in unforgiveness because God's grace has changed my heart. But right. he showed me, he reminded me, go back and don't focus on what they've done to you. Focus on how much you've been forgiven of by yeah. me. A few years ago, I was flipping through the Bible and I was asking God, I said, okay, Lord, we've got this big Old Testament filled with a bunch of do's and don'ts that represents, what, 4,000 years of human history? And then we've got this smaller New Testament that Jesus, his life spanned about 33 years. And I said, Lord, what are you saying through all of this? What's the theme through all of this? And there are many themes, but the thing that the Lord said in that moment to me is that love did in 
33 years what law and legalism couldn't do in 4,000. That's true. It's love that really healed. It's love that really saved. It's love that really delivered. And it's love that does the same today for us personally in the challenges and the people in our lives, but also in relating with the world out there. It's mm -hmm. love that does the work. As backwards as that might sound to what the world might say, it's not striving and stress. It's resting in love yes. that does it. Right. And I know that's that is your story, Sandra, and you you say it so well throughout your book. And you even give some tips, I guess you might say, of how to really receive God's love. Because I think mm -hmm. there are there are people watching who are loving what you're saying and saying, Oh, I wish that could be me. What are some some tips you would have of of how to maybe Position yourself, if I can say it that way, or posture yourself to really receive the love of God? Yes, that's a great question. And I get this question. This is probably the question I get the most because people are seeing, oh man, you know, she's really got a revelation of the love of God, which is an ongoing revelation. I'm always growing right. in that. But I first tell them, don't like, strive to get it because people can actually get in works trying to receive this revelation of love Absolutely. and grace. <laughs> and so I encourage them with that and encourage them, let God do it in your heart. Let God do it in you. But there are things like, for me, the biggest thing when I'm in a place like I was the other day when I was in my garden and I was getting, I was upset. And then I had to come, I had to choose to come out of that self-effort mode. I call it self-effort mode when I'm trying to solve all my issues on my own. And that always leads to frustration and anxiety. Self-effort mode always leads to that. And so I knew at first I was just like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, I'm sorry. I'm not going to change, you know, because I was in pride <laughs> wanting to get my project done and go like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And uh, that led to me being angry even and upset with myself. And so then I came inside and I went upstairs and or came upstairs. That's where I'm at right now. And I sat at my kitchen table and I said, Father, I, here's what I did. I turned my eyes away from what I had done and I turned them to Jesus. I mean, this is, this is some people, oh yeah, that's, you know, turn your eyes to Jesus. Okay. You know, what's that going to do? It's everything. It's everything. I mean, for me and my walk, it's been everything. That's what I did the other day. I turned my eyes away from what I had done because along with that bad behavior that I was displaying the other day comes guilt and condemnation for many people. And then they try to pay for their own sin. But I, so I, I didn't get in guilt and condemnation, but I was just mad. <laughs> so I came upstairs. I was able to just stop by God's grace, and just say, Father, I'm sorry. I know that I am in self-effort mode right now. I don't want to keep doing this. This does not produce the way that I want to live. I want to live in your peace, and I just receive right now. I receive your forgiveness. I know I'm righteous in you. I know your opinion hasn't changed of me in the last, you know, 30 minutes since I've and freaking out, you know, you, you don't think I'm weird. You, you, you love me. 
you're um, not disappointed in me. I mean, I just have these conversations with God. That is what repentance looked like. I was changing my mind right there from depending on myself to depending on Jesus's finished work. And guess what happened? I came into a place of peace. I mean, immediately when I made that change. You took the words right out of my mouth when you said that is the repentance process. Because you so you so beautifully said it and you put it in your book too. It is it is just a change of mind before yes. the Lord of understanding, okay, I was thinking in this direction and because yes. of my belief I was trying to earn something or do something or strive. But now I remember how much you love me. I remember how good you are. Yes. I remember all your thoughts towards me. And so that naturally brings yes, us back yes, into yes. that that breath of fresh air that we talked about at the beginning yes. that that peace that passes all understanding it's not a do nope it's it really <laughs> is simply a receive it's not a do it's a receiving of the fact that it's done it's yes. done because jesus did it and he said it is finished it's a continual receiving that this is done and that's what Paul says in mm-hmm. Romans 12 too. Don't yeah. conform to the pattern of the world and yes. all of its attainment and achievement yes. and do to get, but let God do the work in you. And that's crucial for people to hear. Let God do the work in you by renewing your mind. Remember how much God loves you. Remember how good he is. And the peace comes. The satisfaction comes. It is finished, as you said. That is a, a great spot here to to ask you, do you have a word of encouragement or or even a prayer for those that are relating to everything that we've been talking about and saying, I am in that place? Definitely. I just I just want to encourage those who are watching today. You are so loved by God. <laughs> he loves you unconditionally and he loves you just the way you are. And whatever changes need to be made in your life, he is going to do those by his grace. So well put, Sandra. Thank you. We could keep talking, I know. Yes. (laughs) But we have to end it there. But friend, hear me. The pressure is off. Your breakthrough doesn't rest all on you. When it comes to your place in God's family, you are not under evaluation. And if you're concerned about pleasing God, you can breathe a sigh of relief. There's already a well done waiting for you in heaven. And it's all because Jesus met God's glorious standard. It's just as Sandra said so well. Your faith in him has secured your place and peace with God. Now, I know you might be saying, this all sounds great, Kyle, but I need more help. Well, good news. There's so much more where this came from. In Sandra's book, I tried until I almost died. Of course, you'll be inspired by her journey to grace but you'll also be equipped by Sandra on how to cultivate a mindset and environment of God's goodness and love in a way that really liberates you from fear, perfectionism, and frustration. I also love the list of promises and reminders that she includes at the end of the book. For a limited time, we're offering Sandra's book through our ministry at kylewinkler.org Sandra. And Sandra has been so kind to give something more. For those who order on our website right now, You'll also receive her one-hour downloadable teaching titled, Is Your Christianity Working For You? You can listen to it while you wait for her book to arrive. 
So what do you say? Ready to experience the rest and relaxation that Jesus died to give you? Get Sandra's book, I Tried Until I Almost Died, with her bonus downloadable teaching today at kylewinkler.org slash Sandra. And that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and he is for you and we're here for you too. Every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast and wherever you get your social media. And don't forget, wherever you're watching or listening, tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. See you next time.